0: Welcome to Footnotes, the Cicero podcast, a podcast to inspire you about outdoor travel and activities in the UK and across the world. I'm Amy and I'm Hannah and welcome to our first episode of 2021. We hope that despite the restrictions you have something of a restful Christmas and New Year and even though in the UK at least we're now under heavy restrictions again We hope that through this podcast, our live events and articles, we can help you get some ideas and inspiration for future trips when we can all travel again. Now, New Year is traditionally a time for setting resolutions and deciding on new challenges, however big or small those may be. And we thought it would be a good opportunity to feature one of our previous live events with the wonderful Zoe langley wathan We spoke to Zoe about resilience, trying things for the first time and how to set yourself a challenge, whatever that may be.
1: Zoe langley Wathan is an outdoor enthusiast, long-distance walker and writer who shares her experiences through her popular blog and website, Head Right Out. She works to encourage women to be more resilient through opportunity and champions the concept of micro-bravery. In 2011, Zoe challenged herself to walk the 630-mile southwest coast path, solo camping and raising money for charity. This 47-day experience forms the basis of her chapter in The Biggest Book of Yes, 49 Short Adventure Stories. This book is a charitable project by the Yes Tribe and curated by John Doolin, which launched on the 1st of August 2020. Since her Southwest Coast Path trip, Zoe has completed many other long-distance hikes, including the Camino Frances, the Pennine Way and Offers Dyke and the virtual Southern Uplands Way during the 2020 summer lockdown. We spoke to Zoe back in August last year, in the week that The Biggest Book of Yes launched, and spoke about the project, Facing Fears and Stepping Outside of Your Comfort Zone. So Zoe contributed a chapter to The Biggest Book of Yes. And the idea behind The Biggest Book of Yes was that it was 49 adventure stories by people who had said yes to something, whether that was something small or something big, but something that they were a bit nervous about saying yes to. So I think Zoe was talking about how nervous she'd been about doing the Southwest Coast Path and camping and, and all of that. Uh, I know for some people that that would not bother them at all, but for her, it was quite a big deal to say yes to it. So the Yes Tribe and John Doolan got together and they created this beautiful book. It's beautifully illustrated And it's just a really nice, uplifting book about all sorts of things that you might want to think about saying yes to. I know I went to Nepal last year and I was really, really lucky to go to Nepal. And I I won it as a bit of a competition at work. And I had a moment of, I, I don't want to say yes to this because it's so many things that are outside of my comfort zone. And I was so nervous about it. And of course I said yes. It was a competition. And if I had even shown any hesitation, someone else would have taken it. And I was really, really glad that I'd said yes to that. But it's not always easy to say yes to these things that turn out to be incredible experiences because you can be full of of fear and apprehension before you do it. I remember before that trip, you were so nervous, weren't you, about going and all of it? I was so nervous. I didn't look forward to it until I think the second day I was in Kathmandu. And I started to relax. Um, I I was just too nervous. And, you know, I was doing trekking for the very first time. And I was really scared that I wouldn't be able to keep up. And I'm asthmatic. So I just had visions of me being halfway down the the mountain whilst everybody else was celebrating at the top. And a lot of the biggest book of yes really speaks to me as just, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It can just be... Something small that scares you, whether that's an overnight stay or a wild camp or an extra long walk or anything. But The Biggest Book of Yes is all about trying to say yes to to more opportunities and more adventures.
0: And I guess with that, Hannah, that you did overcome it and you had an amazing trip and, you know, it was a really... Wonderful experience. And I suppose for me, one thing that I was really nervous about after lockdown and being in my own house and my own local area for so long was actually going back into the fells was a really quite scary thing to do. So that was quite a, a big thing for me to get over to be able to go out running and walking again. And, you know, as and when I can, I am getting back into the fells and, you know, my confidence is growing again. But it is a process and it involves taking small steps. And I think that's what Zoe talks about really well within the chapter and also within our live
1: event. I loved how accessible everything was, that she was talking about this idea of micro bravery, that you don't have to do something huge and you know, like doing K2 or anything like that. You can just just do something small, but that means something to you. And it was all about your fears and what was a challenge for you. And I really, really liked that approach. We're also lucky enough to actually have Zoe's chapter from The Biggest Book of Yes on the Cicero website. It's called 630 Miles Braver on the Southwest Coast Path. But the book itself also has lots of other inspiring stories too. So you can read Zoe's chapter on the Cicerone website, but for more information about the book and how to purchase, visit headrightout.com, which is Zoe's website. I think
0: on her website as well, she shares various other stories to do with her other challenges and
1: activities as well. Yes, because the other thing she did over lockdown that I, I followed along with and and really loved was the virtual Southern Upland Way challenge. She was meant to be doing the Southern Upland Way and instead she decided to recreate the equivalent ascent by walking up and down her garden steps with a backpack on and she just kept she kept on going and it was a real feat of determination. So Amy, Before we recorded this podcast, I think you were going to catch up with Zoe and find out how much money she'd made for the Teddington Trust. Yeah, so as well as
0: this being a project all about sharing stories of bravery and saying yes to things, it's also a charitable project for the Teddington Trust, who are a charity that support people with XP. So that's xeroderma Pigmentosum. And for every £86 that the project makes, they can send one person with XP on a safe adventure. So I've heard from Zoe, and at this point, The Biggest Book of Yes has made just over £3,500 in profit, which is all going directly to the Teddington Trust. And that will allow around 41 people with XP to go on these safe adventures. So that's really exciting. And hopefully the figures are just going to keep going up and people will keep supporting that project.
1: And not only are you supporting a a really valuable charity but the book is beautiful and it'll hopefully give you lots of ideas and inspiration for planning your own adventures this year.
0: I'm here. Hello Amy. Hello joining us from your very lovely new narrowboat yes i'm not so sure about it being so new but it's, it's definitely new <laughs> to me <laughs> so um, Zoe, it's lovely to speak to you in the week following the publication of the biggest book of yes 49 short adventure stories but how has the response been so far
2: well, the response actually has been really good. As a group, as a team, we've been pushing the biggest book of yes. And obviously with a a charitable book, there's always that concern that it's not going to do so well. And because you know, the team that are pushing it, we're not experienced necessarily in the world of marketing. But do you know it launched on on Saturday? And the response has been fabulous. As of this morning, we would made £760 and 67 pence in royalties plus a few dollars as well. And essentially what that equates to is that gets 10 people who suffer with this skin condition called XP. It's exoderma pigmentosum, which means they have a, an extreme sensitivity to UV light. And that's not just outdoor UV light. indoor UV light too it will burn their skin and make them more susceptible to skin cancer so they have to wear special clothing and special suits to enable them to be outside or under that kind of light and so this is going to enable people to be able to go out on a safe adventure an adventure where they are in an environment that is safe for them they do things like rock climbing and archery yeah all sorts of wonderful things that perhaps we would might take for granted and they wouldn't otherwise get to do.
0: It sounds like a really yeah lovely inspiring project to be a part of and to have that impact on people directly through what you've done. Could you give us a brief overview of the book and how you got involved with it? Yes certainly so John Doolan is our editor
2: and he's a member of the Yes Tribe. I was I guess, quite a new member of the Yes Tribe. I was pootling in and out of the group and watching what people were doing and and commenting on things from time to time. And then one day he popped a request up for people who had a story of where they had said yes to something that they would ordinarily have said no to. And if they would like to share that story in written form. And I thought, actually, yes, I do have a story and I would love to share it. So 49 adventure stories of people saying yes to things. And it's a a complete multitude, variety of stories. So there's things like somebody has cycled from London to Rome. Somebody rode a tuk-tuk across India. There's a, a walk of the Pacific Crest Trail. Somebody rode the Pacific Ocean. There's my walk in there. There's all sorts of things and there's something for everybody. And I think the key feature of the book, It's not just that it's about adventures, obscure adventures or elite adventures that only people who have got a lot of money or a lot of time could go and do. A lot of them are just everyday adventures and it's that stepping out of your comfort zone to do
0: something. Sounds like you found it quite an inspiring project to be a part of as well.
2: It is super.
0: So I'd like to talk about your chapter in particular. It's about your twenty eleven solo walking and camping trip along the Southwest Coast Path, and give people a flavour of the sort of things that you cover um, in that chapter.
2: There's a definite theme about fear facing in there and suffering with imposter syndrome. I mean, it's I guess it's something I still carry with me even today. But yeah, there was a definite oh I can't do this I'm not capable of doing this, and it was a walk I'd wanted to do for fifteen years, but had never. Embarked on it because I didn't think I was capable. I thought it was down to the the people that were elite athletes or who were stronger than me. I I just didn't have that belief in myself or the confidence in myself that I could do it. So, yes, there's fear facing. There's certainly an element of planning and research. And then there's the experiences and the people I met along the way and the kindness of strangers. Oh, my goodness, the kindness of strangers. Not just on the Southwest Coast Path, but on all of the trips and all of the adventures that I've been on, has been just second to none. They're heartwarming and I carry memories away with me. It will never, ever uh, leave you in the same position that you were when you embarked on the trip. And that was something that I didn't know when I started on the Southwest Coast Path because I thought it was just going to be a one off walk that would mark my 40th birthday. And I'd tick it off and then carry on my merry way, get on with my life. Um, I didn't for one minute think that I would be taking the skills and the things I'd learnt from that walk into my day-to-day life. And that now, nine years on, I'd still be talking about it and still sharing and still using the tools and the skills that I, I learnt all those years back.
0: That's a really lovely overview. Hopefully we can touch on all of those different themes as we're going through. You said you'd wanted to walk the Southwest Coast path for 15 years. What was it about this walk that you, why did you want to do it? I just had every, every ounce of connection
2: fizzing with me. It, it was, I had grown up in Somerset, which is, I was not too far, uh, probably within about 45 minutes of the start of the South West Coast path in my head. I had ancestors that I discovered were tin miners, from Cornwall before they moved up to Northumberland to be coal miners. I holidayed every year in Devon and I lived in Dorset. In fact, I've just moved up to Wales now, but lived in Dorset for 30 years. And for a good portion of those years, I lived in Purbeck, which is a really beautiful stretch of Dorset and covers the South West Coast path as well and the Jurassic Coast. And I was even, as a teacher... I was working at a school in Purbeck, where they commissioned an artist to create the South West Coast Path marker. So there were all these reasons that just connected me to it, and it all came about. One day, I was in the little city of Wells, walked into their bookstore. And at this point, I had been looking for a good year or so for the right challenge that would mark my 40th birthday. And I just hadn't found it. Just nothing was connecting with me. And then in this moment of divine intervention is what I call it. I just walked into the bookshop and there was this shaft of light shining down on the bookshelf in front of me. And there was the book, the Southwest Coast Path Handbook. And it was just a eureka moment. Yes that's it, that's the one. Oh my gosh, why didn't I think of this before? And I, I just knew in that moment, okay, this is it, I'm going to do it. And I was scared, but I was also filled with this renewed excitement.
0: Let's talk about the realities of doing the Southwest Coast Path as a solo camping trip, because you talk you know, a lot about overcoming fear on your blog, and you've mentioned that already and yeah this was your first long distance solo camping trip so what was your biggest fear going into it
2: I think I actually had two if I'm and they they were of equal measure the first one was wild camping solo I wasn't so worried about camping solo because for the most part when I was when I first started doing it I was doing it in campsites and I didn't feel alone because there were people around me I could talk to But yes, certainly wild camping solo was a a biggie for me. And it actually took me 31 days into the walk before I finally became brave enough to to actually do it and my other nemesis big nemesis was river crossings and there are a lot of river crossings on the southwest coast path but they're all served by stepping stones like ferries or sometimes the ferries consist of a a man in a little rowing boat that will take you across uh, causeways but there's one river the river in south devon and that you have to wade and because it's an estuary, I just had built it up to be this monster. And I had visions of me being pulled out to sea by an ebbing tide and drowning. And, and I just, I looked at images of it taken from the air and it just looked so foreboding. And yeah, so those were my two big fears. Was, was that crossing as bad as you expected? Yes and no. It's... Um, it was interesting i actually arrived at the crossing at night actually no i tell a lie i arrived at the crossing in the afternoon but you can't cross the erm until you are two hours either side of low tide low tide happens twice a day and because i'd reached it in the afternoon i think i i'd worked out that i wouldn't be able to start crossing it until about half past nine at night it was summer so it was still daylight at that point but only just um and yeah so crossed at half past nine at night and then I found myself digging poles in I was with people I was actually quite grateful I was with people I have to say no I was reassured to have somebody there with me and I was digging my poles in really deep into the riverbed because I could feel this tide pulling and it was really fast I had some sandals which I put on so I'd, I'd tied my boots to my rucksack so they didn't get wet but it was just getting deeper and deeper I could feel myself trembling all the way across but you just have to focus you just have to get on with it by the time I got to the other side it was dark I had head torch on but I had a big smile on my face it was like oh my gosh I've done it you you know that feeling where you've absolutely met
0: the thing that scared you most um yeah that that was a really big thing for me yeah you spoke there about having other people with you and I wanted to talk to you about having a community or did you find a community doing the South West Coast Path? Because I think there's a fine line doing a solo experience between mm-hmm. being independent and being lonely. And I wonder what your experience was of that.
2: Yeah, do you know, I get asked this such a lot, Amy, and it's a really good question because you would think solo female, walking on her own obviously aside from the fact that there's all the the fears that people have about being on your own from a safety point of view the other questions are about how do you keep yourself occupied aren't you lonely but no that the, there has never ever been a feeling of loneliness I think even in the areas where it is completely isolated, I love to ha- I love to be surrounded by nature and by the countryside. I'm an artist, so I've got that creative mind. So I see art um, and beauty in pretty much anything and everything. So from the ruined tin mines and the beauty of the the dereliction of those to the nature, the birds, the butterflies, um, the sunsets, the sunrises. There's absolutely something there each time. And even on the days where it's pouring with rain and you're just feeling really miserable, why am I doing this really? I shouldn't have been here. There's a, something that happens. It's a shift that happens in your head, or for me anyway, where I find I lose myself in my own thoughts And I start problem solving and I start thinking about the future and planning, but it's not all a solo escapade. You think you're going on an adventure like that on your own, but people want to talk to you because they want to know what you're doing. They want to hear your story. I was sponsored so many times because I was doing that walk for charity. I had so many people giving me money whilst I was actually on the path, which really lifted me. And yeah, I just really enjoyed talking to them about what I was doing and why I was doing it. The people that you meet who are also walking, particularly the other coastal walkers and that tribe, which is what I think I'm now bringing that back to your original question of the community. they became my tribe I might not see them for a week or two weeks I might walk with somebody for a day and then not ever see them again but they definitely lift your spirits
0: and become your community and your support network whilst you're out on that walk. It's interesting isn't it because I think people talk about that a lot in terms of like the Camino and pilgrimage routes of who you come into contact with on a semi regular basis and then do the walk with them. But yeah, it does happen on all long distance.
2: It is quite strange when you think you've said goodbye to them forever, (laughs) you think you're never going to see them again. And then all of a sudden your paths cross again. And it's just beautiful serendipity when that happens. I love it. It's just meant to be.
0: That community, I guess, keeps you going. But how else do you keep yourself motivated on a solo long distance trip? I sing a lot. I do sing a lot and I I make up songs
2: as well, or I make up poetry. I found myself on uh, one walk I did. I think it was Dyke, and I was singing to the sheep. Now that's really worrying potentially is it but I'd, I'd come up with this great song what I thought was this great song about sheep to some tune that everybody knew and it's probably in one of my, my log books somewhere what it was and so every time I, I mess a, a herd of sheep I would sing this song to them <laughs> and I think having that, that routine and that rhythm does keep you going especially when you know the feelings are getting uh, down and souls are feeling destroyed it, it lifts you and it just, I just get myself lost in my own thoughts. So yeah, it was it was nice to discover that I do actually enjoy my own company as much as I enjoy being with other
0: people too. I feel like the Southwest Coast Path was probably the biggest learning curve, given that it was your first long distance wow. trip. And maybe you talk about what the biggest thing you learned from that was, but do you learn something from each of them?
2: I do. And that's,
0: Actually that's probably the first thing
2: that I've learned if I, if I'm honest out of all of it that you're never an expert and you always come away with new experiences and new lessons learned but then yeah each walk is different and I've learned that I probably shouldn't overplan but each time I still do my kit lists are, are and plan to the nth degree because I want to know exactly how much weight I'm carrying now from that first walk I did where I was carrying 18 kilos and I really suffered as a result and I was sending things home quite, quite regularly I went down to a 46 litre rucksack on the second walk on the Wells Coast Path and each walk now I, I'm constantly trying to make sure that I'm carrying about nine or ten kilos no more than uh, with base weight but you know from a psychology point of view what I've learned is my ability for endurance and strength to keep going when things get tough I hadn't expected that so when you've got the biggest blisters on your feet and you've come down so many hills that have absolutely broken your knees and you just feel like you can't carry on and then it rains and then it's been raining so hard for three days that the mud on the path is so thick you can't stay upright there's all these things and yet you just still keep going you still see you still see the beauty or the positivity in that walk you still see that there's something in it for you and there's a reason why you're doing it so yes I think it's it's stickability and endurance
0: yeah I think that sense of resilience while you're on the trail is really important and learning that about yourself and you also talk about you've mentioned it already but this concept of outdoor medicine and yeah the benefit of that on mental health and I guess you can't be out on these trails all the time. And actually the Southwest Coast path was nine years ago now, but it seems to still resonate with you. So how do you carry these lessons that you learn? How do you carry them through into your day to day life?
2: If this was actually something that I learned about myself quite recently. I would say within the last six months, actually, that. Although I'd become known as the woman who walks, because every year I was creating this new challenge for myself where I'd go off on a long distance walk, people expected it of me, and yes, I enjoy it. I get such a lot out of it. But there came a point in 2018 where both my parents were fr- becoming more frail, and I realised that it wasn't possible for me to go off on another long distance trail again for a while because they needed me to be around, and. The fear of that, whilst on one side, I I definitely took on board my responsibility there and I I wanted and needed to be there. But the other side of it was the fear of, oh, I'm not going to get to do a walk, but I need that walk. I need that focus and that challenge. And therein were the words that suddenly made me sit up and realise, oh, so it's not just about the walk. It's actually about the focus, have the need to have a focus. In fact, I think I wrote a blog about it a few months ago, the need to have a challenge and something to aim for. So I set about creating a new challenge that would mean that I could still get outside as regularly as possible, but not just for, oh, I'm just going to go for a walk. It was a walk with a purpose. I was ticking off a challenge. I was meeting some criteria And do you know, it was the medicine I needed. It was absolutely perfect. And actually, it turned out to be a really hard year because we lost at the end of that year. And yeah, there were all sorts of hurdles that I had to cross during that time. But all the while, I was doing my 100 mappy days challenge where I was following a map or a map app. And each time These walks were different. They were different walks using a different route. Sometimes they they would overlap. Certain routes would would cross over, but that was fine. They were generally different. And yeah, it was fabulous. And I, I didn't manage to do it in the whole of the first year, which is what I planned to do. So I ended up spilling over into the second year. So 100 mappy days actually lasted me. It was full on two years and I got such a lot out of it. And I would definitely recommend somebody trying that because it was manageable in the time frame that I had available. So if I only had time to go off and do a, a one or two mile walk, that was all I did. But I took photos and, and I, I sort of, you know, talked about it to people. And then if I had the chance to do a 10 mile walk, then I'd go off and do a 10 mile walk.
0: All of us would love to be able to go and walk something like the South, Southwest coast path for 47 days but you know, not all of us have the time to do that. And I guess it's fitting in into the lives that we already lead. Yes, yeah, so, and and
2: also, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are section walking, big trails like the Southwest Coast Path, like the Wales Coast Path, and many other. I one of my old colleagues from school, I know she was walking the Ridgeway in sections as well. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Walking it in sections or walking it in one go, there's no difference. The only difference is, is that you are taking a, a greater chunk of time um, out of your life. But yeah, I think the mindset, I guess the difference is the mindset changes and the endurance level. But I, f- from my point of view, I don't see myself as any better than somebody who is doing it in sections because that's all they've got time to do. When they're on holiday two or three times a year, they'll go and do it. I think it's great.
0: Anything that will get people out and walking and enjoying those paths. Um, I had a question for you. And actually, one of our viewers has also asked a similar thing. Um, so I wanted to ask you what your next adventure or project is. Um, but someone's asked if the South West Coast path was for your 40th, what's for your 50th?
2: Oh, I have been struggling to find something that will suit my 50th because I am still... Doing those care days for mum. So I can't necessarily go away for weeks on end. But I'm still thinking, I'm still trying to hatch a plan for my 50th. It might be something that I open up to my social media followers and say, Come on, you help me with this and go for a free for all. I don't know. We'll we'll see on that one. In the immediate future, the, obviously my new challenge has been moving on to the boat because we've only been on here for three weeks so i i didn't have any plans for a challenge at that point i had just finished doing my virtual Southern Upland Way challenge back at home in Dorset because I was supposed to be walking the Southern Upland Way with two friends back in April and that was obviously shelved because of coronavirus so I decided to go ahead and do that instead going up and down my back garden steps. Actually I I felt it was important to share that with other people as well, because I knew that there were a lot of other people potentially in the same position as me. So I put it out on social media and said, does anybody else want to join me? And I had a hearty little band. We had a group of us that were posting every evening on the amount of steps we'd done. So the idea was that we would cover 8,450 metres of ascent across two weeks. When you add it up, going up and down, the amount of actual physical steps that I was doing was 92,950 steps over two weeks. And so although I didn't feel broken from having lost the path, the challenge of doing that trail, I have to say my ankles, and my knees, (laughs) they were pretty sore by the end of that. But it was a good sore and we had so much fun and the last day we did it in fancy dress. And yeah, I just loved sharing that with everybody. And I suppose building that back into the resilience thing, I think knowing that each time you get a knockback and each time things get hard, knowing that each time you achieve something... As a result of those knockbacks or those tough things that you're going through, it adds another layer, another thread to your tapestry. If you see your life as a tapestry and each experience is another thread, another skein of embroidery silk, and it just makes it that much stronger. In fact, I was at uh, the Adventure Mind Conference back in February which was set up by explorers connect and i heard a guy speak that really stuck with me this particular thing he said i've always talked about resilience as being like a tapestry where it starts off flimsy and gets stronger the more you add to it he talked about it as a rope and so it's just a piece of string to begin with your resilience but each experience you have you add another thread to the rope and when you twist rope it becomes even stronger and I just thought that was a, a good analogy too. So, yes, each, throughout lockdown, each experience has been adding to my resilience. And that's not to say that I'm never flimsy, but sometimes I get a bit worn <laughs> and frayed around the edges. And that's fine, that's normal. We should expect that because we're human and that's part of our human makeup. Nothing's ever perfect, nothing is always positive. We all have good days and we all have down days and it's important to respect that and give yourself the time to weave back together those those down days in back into your your tapestry.
0: Yeah, I think both of those are really brilliant analogies actually. Thank you for sharing that. That was just really lovely to hear. What would be your advice to people for stepping out of their comfort zone and you know taking on that next challenge whatever it might be? I think it's very hard. It's always very hard when people ask me this for me to just choose one
2: thing. But <laughs> I, if I, I'll try and condense it, I would say take baby steps. So if, you're, if people are feeling like they're lacking in confidence, I definitely subscribe to this idea of micro bravery. And I just think if you do things in small baby steps, if you're going to run a marathon, for example, you wouldn't go, oh, my gosh, I've got this amazing idea. I'm going to go and run a marathon and then just go and run it. it, it, it <laughs> you, you would train. You would train for it. You would build your body up to understand what to expect and what to experience and just build up that strength. And that's exactly what you're doing with your mind, with micro-bravery. You are incorporating tiny little um, moments of shocking yourself or putting yourself out your comfort zone just challenging yourself a little bit so i would say take baby steps perhaps create a chart figure out what it is you need to do to get to the end goal and write all those baby steps down onto that chart but you know if it's wild camping you want to go and do perhaps you want to go and do it on your own so perhaps your baby step is to try it in the back garden perhaps your next step is to go and do it with a couple of friends before you eventually go and do it on your own somewhere. Yeah, there's all sorts of of ways of tackling it, but I, I would say just see it as a couch to 5K for courage. Micro bravery is a couch to 5K to help you build up that resilience and that strength. And it's not age dependent. I have to say that this isn't just for people from their 20s through to me, who's I'm 49 now, this is for any age group. And I do get a lot of women that contact me who are in the older age group category, the empty nesters like me, the children have grown up and moved away, but also the women who are perhaps retired and that they no longer know what to, to really do with themselves. They've lost that role that they had at work and they're looking for a new focus and a new challenge. And perhaps to find a new identity, so this is all a good step, good way forward to pace themselves into a, a new, braver self. Hopefully, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's absolutely wonderful advice, Zoe. Um, I'm afraid that's all we have time for, but thank you so much for talking to us about the Southwest Coast Path, about micro bravery, um, getting outside your comfort zone, and of course, the biggest book of yes um so where can people find (laughs) that if they want to get hold of a copy where's the best place
2: so there's all sorts of places we can find that but on amazon you can buy it on amazon if you uh, type in the biggest book of yes you will find it on there but if you come to head right out i'm head right out on all platforms so you'll find it there as well also the yes tribe i should give them a little shout out as well you will find it mentioned on the yes tribe yeah so the biggest book of yes you can type in to amazon t-b-b-o-y the biggest book of yes or just type it as it is there and you'll find it but it's 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 good value it's a big book and um you will get a lot of value from that there's something for everybody
0: oh brilliant Zoe! thank you so much for joining us um, and you. yeah best of luck with the you know future of the book and i hope it raises lots of money um, for your charity and yeah you get some lots of people on safe adventures um. thank you so much amy if i could just quickly add one
2: last 20 second thing um, head right out hub i have a, a new group linked to head Write out the head Write out hub is on facebook and it's all about giving women a safe space to come and talk about those things those fears and those plans and those dreams that they would love to do but uh, not quite sure how to embark on so if they come and find me there
1: as well that would be great but thank you so much that was Zoe langley watson talking about The Biggest Book of Yes and her ongoing project and blog Head Right Out do have a look at Zoe's website at headrightout.com and if you can support The Biggest Book of Yes I know they'd appreciate it
0: that brings us to the end of this episode of Footnotes the Cicerone podcast thank you so much for listening Do let us know what you think by leaving reviews on your podcast platform or emailing us live at cicerone.co.uk and we'd
1: love to hear from you. Visit cicerone.co.uk to find over a thousand articles, sign up to our newsletter or buy one of our guidebooks. You can listen to the podcast on the Cicerone website or by subscribing to the podcast on your favourite podcast provider
0: we'll be back in a couple of weeks so in the meantime you can search for at cicerone press on facebook twitter and instagram and you can also join our facebook group cicerone connect to connect with other outdoor enthusiasts thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you soon